All right, so we're going to get started. So, happy Sunday. Elevate Shelly here with your message today. So, uh, Pastor Kevin is uh, having some needed time off, and he's given me the opportunity to speak to all of you, and I just want to thank him, thank you, Pastor Kevin, for the opportunity to be up here. Um, I'm a little different than Pastor Kevin, so the, the feel of Pastor Kevin will not be present today. So I'm more of a teacher. We're just going to have a conversation uh, with all of you, and we're just going to glide on in, you know, to the message. Um, my message today is aiming for the best target, because there's a lot of targets out there that we as Christians can aim for, and we want to aim for the best one. Now, I've been uh, accused of being direct. I've been accused of being direct. I just say it like it is. Let's just, let's just skip the pretense. Tell me what you need. You know, Pastor Kevin be like, call me on the phone and be like, Shell, like, yes, Pastor Kevin, what do you need? Let's just, let's skip to it. That's just how I am. I'm not really good with pretense. I'm not good with um, small talk. I, I have a hard time getting my nails done or getting my hair done because it's all small talk. And I just sit there like, you know, nervous. But I prefer a more deeper conversation. I prefer to get, you know, right to it. You know, when you have friends, you know, you come to church, everyone's like, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, everything's good. Family's good. Everything's good. But when you got your real friends, they look at you and they're like, how you really doing? You know, how, how you really doing? I know what's going on in your life. How you really doing? You know, and that's when you get to that deeper conversation. That's when you get, you know, to the real you. That's when you get deep. You know, it's 2022, and we want to get deep. That was amazing. The worship team was talking about being deep and, uh, you know, stepping up. And, and I was like, wow, they're like, they read my notes. Uh, but um, even like with marriage, you know, when you first start going out with everything, you know, everything's done, everything looks good, everything smells good. But you get married, you know, it's different. It gets real, you know. I get up, you know, I go to the bathroom. I'm like, oh, my gosh, light a match, you know. Courtesy flesh. You know, my husband would be like, this is what men do, Shell. This is what they do. You pass two bathrooms. You didn't have to come here. And I'm like, well, you know, it's my bathroom too. And, but that's how it is. You get real. Um, when uh, deep cries out to deep, that's what we look for as Christians, deep crying out to deep. What's really inside of you, crying out to the Lord, you know, to answer. You want to skip the pretense. You want to skip, you know, the light stuff. You want, you want God to talk to you. You want to get into it. You want to get into the nitty-gritty. And um, we're going to talk about that and get into that. If I were to ask you today, you know, what do you want? What do you want in your life? You'd get the pretense parade first. Oh, well, you know, I could lose a little weight. I need to, you know, go to the gym. And, you know, I could use a little job. You know, I could use a better job. I, you know, a paycheck, a higher paycheck would be good. And, you know, if my kids would just act right. But if I actually said, give me the short answer. Give me a one-word answer for your life. What do, what do you really want? What do you really need? What do you need? You might say something like, I need peace. I need love, I need healing, I need respect, I need a victory, I need a win, you know, I need, I need something, I need something deeper, you know, that deep answer would come out. So um, 
We're going to talk. I have a lot of scripture. It's good I don't have slides because if you saw how much scripture I have here, you guys would get scared. Um, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler. And Jesus went from pretense to, to depth. He went into deepness with him. It's, it reads, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. Jesus started on his way. A man ran up and knelt before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus replied. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not cheat others. Honor your father and mother. Teacher replied, all these things I have kept from my youth. Jesus looked at him loved him and said to him, there is one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you own. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But the man was saddened by these words and went away in sorrow because he had great wealth. He came to Jesus. Here is Jesus in the town. Here is Jesus ministering. Miracles are happening. People are, are getting, you know, the dead raised. And, you know, he has answers. And this, this young man comes to him, a rich young man, and, and there's something lacking. He knows there's something lacking. That's why he's coming to Jesus. He's like, what do I need? What do I still need? You know, what do I need? I'm following the rules. You know, what do I need? And, you know, this version in Mark, it says he loved him. And he, he, he said, okay, you want a word? You want a word to change your life? I'm gonna give you a word. The problem is you're caught up with your money. The, the problem is you're trusting in your money. The problem is this is keeping you back from being deep with me and going deep with me. Get rid of it. Give it to the poor. And my word says you will have treasure in heaven, in heaven but then come follow me. See, deep cried out to deep. And, and Jesus gave a word to him and answered him, gave him what he needed. You know, Pastor Kevin comes up here all the time and says, do you want to know, you know, what to do with your life because you want to decide what you want to do or because you're actually going to follow? And this is Jesus, you know, giving him that deep answer, requiring a deep response. Um, and Jesus told him what he wanted, you know, what he needed to do, but he went away sad. And, you know, Jesus wasn't running after him either. If you notice that, he, he went away sad, and Jesus just watched him leave. Jesus will present you with the word. Jesus will present you with what you need, but you have to take it. And if not, he'll, he'll let you go. It's, it's difficult, but he will just let you walk away from that. And we need to, we need to um, recognize that it's our choice. It's our choice to follow. So I was like in a prayer time with the Lord and, and sometimes you, you know, you get praying and it's like that pretense. You just automatically go into, oh Lord, you're good and bless the Lord and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, you just want to stop and be like, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? What do you really want? Because I look at scripture and I see a whole lot of blessed, powerful men of God that sinned. They messed up. They messed up big time. You know, you have, you have Moses who wrote the first five books of the, the Bible, okay? And so Moses came, before him was Abraham. So Abraham didn't have the written word. Abraham didn't have a written account. Abraham didn't have the Mosaic law. 
But in the Mosaic law, it, it told you who you could have relations with. And, and Abraham was married to his half-sister. And then he pimped her twice. I don't know if you, if you noticed that in, in Scripture. He did. And I think if that was ever a disqualification, that, that's a good disqualification. But he wasn't disqualified. You have, you have Moses. Moses was a murderer. But he wasn't disqualified. David, an adulterer. And then, you know, to cover it up, had, had her husband murdered. That, but he wasn't disqualified. So there's something else there. There's some quality there. There's some quality there that, that, they, that God could overlook with his mercy and his grace, could overlook these sins. And these guys were still blessed. These guys were still voices. And it's like, what is that better target? You know, it says in, um, let me see if I have it here. Yes, 1 Samuel 15, 22, and Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen uh, better than the fat of rams. So we have a target. Sacrifice is good. You want to give all your money? Just go ahead. Pastor Kevin would love it. Just dump it all in the church. You know, sacrifice is good. That's a good target. But the better target than sacrifice is obedience, doing what he says, obeying what he says. But just blind obedience without faith, there's a better target. And it's trusting God. It's like I asked God, what do you want? And it's like he looked me dead in the eye and said, trust me at my word. Trust me at my word. You know, and, and I thought about, you know, the word trust. And if somebody asked you, to, if my husband came home, God bless him, and he's going to be your second service. But <laughs> if he came in the, in, in the house and said, Shell, do you trust me? I'd be like, oh, my gosh, what did you do? What did you do? What did you buy? Where, you know, what's going on? You know, if somebody came up to me and said, Shell, do you trust me? I'd be like, what do you want? You know, what do you want? Because trust... It, if, you, if someone asks you, do you trust me, it means there's a response to that trust to prove that you trust, that you trust that person. And God is saying, trust me. Trust me at my, at my word. Trust me at my word. So we're going to go into this. Um, let me see. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds, but show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And that's what we need to do, show it, that we have that faith and to walk in, um, in faith. So Abraham got a word from God, and Abraham was called to a better life. He was called to his destiny. And it says that it was credited to him as righteousness. So uh, Genesis uh, 1 through 6, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram, and in a vision saying, do not fear, Abram, I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, Lord, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Abram also said, since you have given me no son, one who has been born in my house is my heir. Then, um, behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, 
if you are able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he blessed, he believed in the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now Abraham is an amazing guy. Like I said, he had no scripture to guide him. There was no written word. God just spoke to him, and he believed it. He said, Abraham, leave everything. Leave everyone. Leave your country. Leave your family. Leave your culture. Leave everything. He kind of said the same thing to the rich young ruler, but he said to Abraham, leave everything and just go west. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some land. Give you some land out west. Go west, my son. Go west. And he did. He just believed God. All right, I'm going west. God said it. I believe it. That's the end of it. That needs to be your motto. He did. He just believed it, and he went west. Here he is, about to have a kid at 100, and he believed God. His wife, you know, passed menopause. He believed God, and he got that kid. Um, Sarah laughed, but he said, this time next year, you're going to have a son. And guess what happened that year? At that time, next year, that time, she had a son because God's word always comes to pass. It always comes to pass. Trust him at his word. All right, so another one we're going to talk about is David. God bless David. David, uh, he received direction from God at Ziklag. Uh, he did not trust or rely on his own abilities to make decisions. Now, with David, you have to understand that um, Israel, when they came into the promised land, they didn't have any kings. Uh, they just had judges that brought uh, God's will to pass. But they wanted to be like the other nations, so they asked for a king. They got King Saul as the first king of Israel, but Saul's whole heart wasn't towards God. So God said, all right, we're going to anoint somebody else. And so David got anointed to be king, but he didn't actually come into, you know, the, he didn't get the crown right when he was anointed. And he served King Saul. And then they started singing songs. And, you know, the song kind of went, Saul killed his thousand, but David killed his ten thousands. And Saul heard the song, and he realized, hey, this guy's about to take my place. And so he decided that David got to go. And so he was hunting David and to kill David. And David kept on saying, I'm not trying to kill you. I'm not trying to take the spot. But Saul was relentless. And he just kept you know, chasing David in order to destroy him. And um, David realized that he would never have peace inside his own country. So he went out of his own country. And he was in enemy territory in a town called Ziklag. All right? And while he was in Ziklag, uh, you know, you still got to eat and all. So he would go raiding in the enemy nation, take everything, and leave no witnesses. Okay? He was white, but he would tell the governor of the land that, oh, I was in Israel. You know, I don't even like Israel anymore. You know, and I was in Israel. That's where I got all this stuff from Israel, but he wasn't in Israel. So then there was a, there was a battle, and all the enemies were coming against Israel. The guy's like, oh, David, come on. We're going to go fight Israel. But when he showed up, all the other, all the other kings were like, you brought who? You brought David? Like, like, like the David? You know, like killed Goliath David? They're like, send him home. Send him home. He can't, he's not fighting with us. He's going to change sides. In the middle of the battle, he's going to change sides and we're all going to die. And so they wanted David to go back. So when David and his whole army came back to Ziklag, Ziklag 
everything was gone. The wives were gone, the kids were gone, everything was gone. And so David had needed direction. Now to me, now this is me because I'm human, this was a no-brainer. Did we really need to pray about this? It's like, go get the stuff. Go get your kid. Go get your wife. Go get your stuff. Why are we praying about this? You know? But David didn't move without the word of the Lord. So here he is. Um, let me see. Where am I? I'm lost, but I'm going to find myself very, very soon. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 30, uh, verse 7 and 8. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. God's word comes to pass. David realized, David knew that if God was with him, because he had already beaten Goliath, he had already had so many victories with God, and he knew that the word of God was more powerful than any human effort. So when it looks like a no-brainer decision, get a word, hear a word, and when you have that word, don't doubt, trust that word and pursue, go after it. Next, we're going to talk about Peter walking on the water. Peter walking on the water. Woo! Peter walking on the water. No, so what happened with Peter, they're in a boat, and um, the Lord had sent the disciples out on the sea, and they're on the boat, and they see someone, something, walking on the water, and they think it's a ghost. And they get scared because this particular lake, there were a lot of storms. A lot of sailors had lost their lives. They thought it was a dead sailor coming to terrorize them. And uh, they thought it was a ghost. But before this had happened, they had already experienced uh, Jesus sleeping in the boat. There's like two stories, Jesus walking on the water, and then there's the story of Jesus asleep in the boat. So when he was asleep in the boat, when Jesus saw a large crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the sea. This is Matthew chapter 8. Um, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly a violent storm came up on the sea so that the boat was engulfed with waves, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're perishing. You have little faith. Jesus replied, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and it was perfectly calm. Now, the first verse I read, which was 18, says, When Jesus saw a large crowd around him, he gave orders. He gave his word. He commanded. He gave orders. Cross to the other side of the sea. The word had gone forth. God had said, we are going to the other side of the sea. So when the storm came and everybody freaked out because of the storm, Jesus was like, why, why, why are you so afraid? Why are you afraid? Because he had already given the word. His word said, we're going to the other side of the sea. And, and he was amazed. So here they are now on the boat. They see this figure coming to the boat. And uh, Peter responded, oh, no. 
And so they get scared. And Jesus is like, calm down, calm down, it's me. It's just Jesus, relax, relax, everybody. Everybody take a chill pill, it's okay, it's just me. But this is what Peter said in chapter 14. Peter responded and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me. See the word? Command me. Let your word go forth. If your word goes forth, I can do it. Command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came to Jesus, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. The word had gone forth. He commanded him, come on the sea. And see, he had already experienced, we're going to the other side. And they got to the other side. So Peter knew the word of God. All I got to do, all I need is a word. All I need is a word. If you say it, it's going to happen. Command me, command me to come on that water. And when he got the word, he trusted the word. And he walked on water. He walked on water. But then he saw the wind. And then he saw the waves. And he doubted. Did Jesus disappear? Jesus was still on the water. Did the power weaken? Did God suddenly, was there a surge with FPNL and God lost some power? Nothing. The power was there. God was right there looking at him. But he doubted. And he sank. You see, you see the, the difference there? Trust God at his word and do not waver because doubting negates it. James chapter one, verse six through eight. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea blown and tossed by the wind that the person should not expect to receive anything, anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double mind, is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. The meaning of all here is all. That says something. You can't doubt. God gives you a word. God can't lie. If God gives you a word, you got to trust him at his word. So um, what God says comes to pass, and the disciples depended on him and on his word for provision, for direction, for power, for safety, for deliverance, for victory. You have the temple tax in, in Matthew 17. Um, they came to Peter and said, you know, does, does your master pay the temple tax? And, you know, Peter went to the Lord. And the Lord told him, hey, you know, basically, I'm God. It's my temple. I don't have to pay tax at my own temple, you know. But then he says, however, not to give offense to them, go to the sea. Cast a hook. Take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give that for, for me and for you. You see the directions specific. He told him exactly how to do it. He could have went, I'm sure there would have had to have been at least one shekel in the treasury. They took up collections, but he didn't. God, you know, things can come into your life and you need provision. He'll give you direction. He'll tell you exactly what to do. And I think he specifically said to take the first fish because sometimes when God tells you to look for something and it comes, you're like, I don't think that's it. <laughs> nah, 
I don't know, I don't know, that, that, that fish looks a little, you know, I don't think that's the right fish. And he probably looked at the first fish and was like, are you sure, you know? Because God will give you direction, but you've got to trust him at his word. Take the first fish, don't gut it, open his mouth, that's where the shekel is. When Jesus wanted to come into town, he gave his uh, disciples direction. When he drew near to Bethphage, this is in Luke chapter 19, in Bethany at the mount that was called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village and in front of you, where, where on entering you will find a colt tied, which one, uh, I'm sorry, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away, found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, throwing their cloaks on the colt, and they set Jesus on it. When Jesus asks you to do something and you need some uh, natural direction, he'll give it to you. He'll provide for you everything that you need. Remember the Passover meal? Jesus said, go prepare the Passover. And they were like, okay, where? <laughs> where are we going to do that? Where are we going to do the Passover meal? God gives you a direction. You have no idea how you're going to get it done. How's this going to happen? You go to God, you get a word, you get the direction because it comes to pass. And he says, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he entered. Say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. How about the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul in Acts 19. The Apostle Paul was the biggest enemy of Israel. He was getting papers just to arrest Christians, to wreak havoc on their lives. He encountered the Lord he couldn't see. And then a word came to Ananias. Go pray for Brother Paul. Go pray for a guy named Paul. And it's hilarious to read because he says to the Lord, who? Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm not saying you made a mistake, but are you sure? Because he's persecuting Christians. He's having them arrested. Some of them are dying. And you want me to pray for this guy. But he followed the word of God. He prayed for the apostle Paul. And the biggest enemy became the greatest advocate. You talk about victory and salvation, but it didn't look right, didn't feel right. The word of God is a light. It shows you which way to go. You talk about wanting to win at life. You want, you want, you want change in your life. What does Pastor Kevin say? To get from where you are to where you want to be is a bridge called change. And what, what are the steps on that bridge? Jesus will tell you. Jesus will give you a word. Jesus will give you something to change your life. Deep cries out to deep. He will give you a deep response. And it might just be pray, declare, stand. But he'll give you the response that you need to change your life. All right. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> um, John, when Jesus went to, um, 
raised Lazarus from the dead. This is John chapter 11, 6 through 10. So on hearing that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two days. And then Jesus said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. Rabbi, they replied, the Jews just tried to stone you and you're going back there? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? If anyone walks in the daytime, he will not stumble. He sees by the light of this world. But if anyone walks at night, he will stumble because he has no light. It's just a natural description of a natural thing. The sun comes up and you can see what's in front of you and you won't fall. But at night, you can't see, obviously. So if there's daytime and there's light, it gives you um, direction. It shows you what's in front of you. You're walking in the light. You're walking in safety because you can see it. Psalms 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is light. The word of God shows you where to go. Even if it seems like you're going right back into a bad situation. You just came out of a bad situation and God is taking you right back into the situation and you think that can't be God. Guess again. If that is the will of God, it's the safest place for you to be is in the will of God. It's in the word of God and to follow God and to trust him. Trust him at his word. So... We want to aim for the best target. One target is sacrifice. A better target is obedience. But the best target, aiming for the best target, is to trust God at his word, to trust him and, and let that deep cry out to deep. Hear him. Hear him and, and do what he says. God's desire is to move powerfully in your life and your situation. Power comes through your unwavering trust in what God has said to you. It's like, um, imagine a, a, a water dam, and it's, there's just all this power behind the dam, all this water one, that God wants to flow into your life, into your ministry, into everything you want to do. He wants to bless every area of your life. And all you need is a word and to trust him and to walk, to just break that dam and let that water flow into your life. So how do we do this? We want to be intimate. You want to be intimate with the Lord and give Jesus what he wants. Seek him for his word. Seek him. Read the word. Pray. Seek him. Be intimate with God and get that word. Um, in Luke uh, 11 and 9 through 10, it says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. So ask, seek and knock for direction in your life on how to move, how to fix, how for things to get better. Prophetic words come to you. Downloads come to you. I heard of a lady who had to do a presentation on PowerPoint, and it ended in 31 minutes and 31 seconds. And she knew she got a download from the Lord. Jody, correct me if I'm wrong. Jody just gave this testimony last week. 
that, it, that uh, this was significant. She went to Proverbs and it said, praise her at the city gates. That's what the word was, that's what it said. And now where is she? She's headed right to the city gates. And they're praising her work at the city gates. You get words when you pray, you get words um, just in general. Like she just got it right when she, when she saw 3131 and God called her up and said, hey, that's important. That's important, pay attention. We gotta pay attention to these words. We gotta pay attention uh, to the downloads. Uh, when you know in your knower that God is talking to you, trust it. You know when you get that prophetic word and it just hits you like right between the eyes. Like, wow, that was for me, that is for me. You know, we have to move. You know, the rich young ruler came to Jesus, but he wasn't ready to move. And, and you know, I'm not saying that God's gonna ask you to sell all your stuff, but, <laughs> you know, he's gonna ask you to do something deep. He's gonna ask you to change something and not to go around the same mountain doing the same thing, you know, and getting the same results if you wanna change it and you ask God for that word. I want something to change. I want something to win. I mean, to move. I want to win. I want, I want deliverance. You know, he'll answer you. He'll respond to you, and he'll give you that. All right, so we're going to get in the zone, and we're going to pray a little bit. So some of you know I used to play uh, basketball. I used to play basketball, and um, I played uh, Division One. And um, when I was in high school in my freshman year at college, I was the worst free throw shooter known to man. I was like 20 to 30%, which means, you know, two to three out of 10. I couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. I was just bad at going to the foul line. I was just bad. And after my freshman year at college, I went home uh, to Pennsylvania. And in Pennsylvania, I'd gone to a lot of basketball camps. and. Um, at these camps, all the coaches of all the schools would be there, and I, so I knew other coaches. So I called the coach of my rival school, and I asked her, Celeste Ross, I'm like, can you help me to improve my shooting? And she worked with me for one hour, and I went from 25% to 85% in one hour, because she worked with me. She went over the fundamentals and everything, and you know, and you know, went over some things that I couldn't believe how well I was shooting. I mean, I'd never shot this well before in my life, but she you know, got me to pull my elbow in and do certain things, and, and I was, I was you know, scoring. And she goes, now when you come to the foul line, it's like a jump shot, but it's not a jump shot. You just kind of feel it, but you don't actually leave the ground. And so when I was uh, at college and I'd come up to the foul line, I'd, I'd put my right foot right in the center of the, of the basket. My left foot would be exactly shoulder width apart, but a few inches back, because you do the exact same thing, and you get in a zone. You get in a zone where you don't hear anybody. They could yell a bullhorn, and you stink, and you're gonna miss the shot, and you just, you just, you just get in the zone. You block all that out. And I'd put that, that basketball, bounce it the same way, put my fingers over it, line everything up, and swoosh, it would go in. But we would get in the zone. And so what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna get in the zone. I want everybody to try to get in the zone. So everybody, if you will, just stand to your feet. I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about what you really want from the Lord. Think about, first of all, everything you're worried about. What are you worried about? 
Are you worried about money? Right now, don't worry about money. You've got all the money in the world. Are you worried about your marriage? Don't worry about your marriage. Right now, we're not married. Are you worried about your kids? Let's not, let's not even have kids right now. You don't have any kids right now. Just, just clear everything. Whatever you're worried about, whatever you're stressing about, just, just clear it out. Right now, that's not who you are. Right now, we're going to think about the one thing you really want. What do you really want? Deep cries out to deep. What do you really want from God? And then just say with me, Lord, what do you say about my situation? And just let him talk to you. He's going to give you direction. He's going to tell you what you need. He's going to tell you where to go. And now say, Lord, how do I partner with your word? And he's going to give you things. This is the change, people. This is the change. This is the bridge from where you are to where you need to be. Just let him bless you. Now, when you get home, you might have to press into this a little bit more and ask him just a little bit more about steps, people, situations. But he will move. He will give you a word, and that word will come to pass in your life. Lord, I just give you honor. I give you glory, and I give you grace, and I thank you for these people. I thank you for the heart of these people to hear you, to seek you, to speak into their lives, Lord God, that they would trust you, that they would hear you, that they would walk. And I just release courage over these people. I just release deliverance over these people and a heart that wants to serve you in every way. We just give you glory and we give you honor in Jesus' name. You feel that? Is that good? <laughs> we will have prayer people available after the service, so I'm just going to bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We love you. God loves you. Have a great week.